Hi there. Welcome to this podcast based on webinar 45 in Black Dog Institute's MPRAC series for health professionals. The webinar was called Using Online Resources for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Mental Health and Wellbeing. Sydney University academic and Waramai man David Edwards hosted the webinar, which was designed especially for community workers and mental health professionals working with Indigenous people. I'll hand over to Dave to introduce himself and acknowledge country in his own very special way. I'm a Waramai fellow, so my mob are from down the Karua area, which is just north of Newcastle on the central coast of New South Wales. And I'd like to do an acknowledgement of country that I'm in today, which is Widjibawaiwal country in Bunjalung Nation in Lismore, uh, northern New South Wales, in my native Gatang language given to me by my Uncle Stephen Brereton. So, Guji Yigu, Minyang Nyura Wobalan, Nyura Yigu Marala Baragu, Yi, Widjibawaiwal Barai, Gatai Niran. So, welcome. And I'd like to acknowledge the country from which you zoom in today and its communities, as well as its elders, um, past, present and future. I'd also like to acknowledge the deadly team I work with, and that's Judy Singer, Taylor Laurie and Shani Roberts, as well as Black Dog Institute GP, um, Jan Orman. Um, Just a little bit about me. I'm I'm actually part of a team that's designed Australia's first uh, Indigenous-specific wellbeing website called WellMob. And I've done that through working with the National Program of E-Mental Health in Practice. And we've done that in collaboration with the Australian Indigenous Health Infonet, who many of you may be familiar with their portal. It's been around for about 20 years. And uh, as well as um, being part of MPRAC, I actually work for the University Centre of Rural Health in Lismore, which is a part of the University of Sydney. And along with our partners uh, with MPRAC, uh, Black Dog Institute, Menzies School of Health and QUT, we all work on uh, Indigenous mental health uh, and, and in the digital space. So that's what this webinar is largely about today. And before I wrap up our acknowledgements, it would be remiss not to acknowledge the deadly uh, Indigenous health and wellbeing workers that, that have actually been involved every step of the way of this new Indigenous wellbeing website called WellMob. And we had three reference groups of these Indigenous workers, one here in Lismore in beautiful Bunjalung country, one up in Darwin in Larrakia country in the NT that Menzies School of Health helped us put together and one down in Ghana country in Adelaide through the South Australian Mental uh, Medical Health and Research Institute that Menzies also helped us um, get together. So what are we going to yarn about today? Well, we're here to talk about what digital wellbeing resources are out there to help maintain the wellbeing of our mob. We're going to have a look at where you can find them in a new one-stop shop of these resources called WellMob. And we're going to yarn with our deadly panellists about how they can be used in our communities by our workers and to maintain our own health and wellbeing. Just a quick disclaimer about digital social emotional wellbeing and mental health tools. Obviously, they don't replace our workers and we hope that these tools will be useful in putting in their toolkit rather than replacing um, faces, which is, we all know is so important with our mob. Also, a disclaimer that these digital resources we'll talk about are generally for low-intensity mental health interventions and not for crisis support or uh, acute mental health illnesses. So I'm going to get on to the business of introducing our deadly panellists today. I really welcome and appreciate um, and feel honoured to be in this space with uh, you people. So I might um, give you a chance to to tell us about yourself and uh, I'll just introduce from left to right Nathan Bramson, starting with you. Besides being a 
a deadly new dad and um, uh, a fellow that's working at Headspace. Nathan, can you tell us a bit about you and also what got you into mental health and wellbeing and working there at Headspace? Yeah, thanks, Dave. Uh, hello, Anakani, everyone. Um, as Dave mentioned, I'm a wanderer fellow, so Nob's uh, originally from um, Up in the Valley of New South Wales and currently living and working on what we call the Mai Mai countries. Um, Dave told you a bit about my role at Headspace. Um, for me, what got me into working in mental health is, is obviously, um, you know, just sort of witnessing a lot of mental health um, through family and, and young people, you know, throughout my sort of youth journey when I was a young fella. And, uh, you know, losing a couple of young people along the way, unfortunately. So what really sort of sparked my interest is, is wanting to, I guess, get myself in a position where I can, you know, try and have the most amount of impact and influence change where I can. And, and, and obviously in the mainstream sector, because um, we know that our community control sectors are doing deadly as well. So, um, yeah, that's what got me to drive me to where I am now. I, Thanks, Nathan. It's great to have someone who's looking out for our diverse young mob out there through the services of Headspace. And over to Samantha Wild, a, a waka waka cobble cobble woman um, who, who's the senior consultant for Awakening Cultural Ways. Some, most people would be probably familiar with Sam through her work in mental health and wellbeing and uh, the health services. I'd just like to add Sam was our chairperson for the new WellMob website on the steering committee, so we really appreciated Sam's involvement in development of this website. So, Sam, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, what you're up to in the mental health wellbeing space. Thanks, Dave. Um, at the moment, I'm an Aboriginal consultant and I work um, across a range of, of research and community consultations in quite remote areas and um, in regional and urban areas as well. I, um, I work in this space, particularly in mental health, around acknowledging the strength of cultural healing and wellbeing and trying to find the best of both worlds approach in the mental health response to our mob. Uh, I also want to acknowledge Dave, that Dave has really been driving the development of WellMob and he has been amazing and I'm very privileged that he has put his heart and soul into this. So thank you, Dave. Thanks, Sam. Um, really great to have you here. Uh, our last but not least, our other panel member, Tiani Schaefer, who's a Kolkadoom woman, working on the iBobbly app and social emotional wellbeing program of Black Dog Institute. Tiani, can you tell us about yourself? I'm pretty impressed with your CV, seeing it on the bio there of the webinar. Um, what got you into mental health? And, and tell us about all those deadly qualifications you've got or getting. Thanks, Dave. Um, yeah, so as Dave mentioned, my name's Tiani Schaefer. I'm a proud Calgarian woman from Mount Isa, Queensland. And I'm currently living, working and studying on the beautiful Gadigal land here in Sydney. Um, I'm doing about to finish my master's in suicidology and um, also doing my honours for fear and psychology. So I guess what got me into the mental health and suicide prevention area, I think um, growing up, especially in rural and remote communities, I really did see firsthand the effect that suicide has on our mob and our community. And I really wanted to upskill my knowledge um, so I could take part and play a key role in helping our younger generation and our young mob improve their social emotional wellbeing and, but also, I guess, um, you know, teach them different strategies and ways that they can handle what's going on for them and situations that they may find themselves in. I guess um, they are the future leaders, especially in this space. So I think it's really important that they have all the tools in place um, so that they can be strong, capable leaders uh, with strong minds and, and navigate anything life chucks their way. Okay. So just to make sure we're on the same page, 
what do we mean by digital, social, emotional well-being resources? It's a bit, bit of a tongue twister and I've, I've twisted my tongue a few times already. I apologise. But most of us are pretty familiar with what digital well-being resources may be out there, but some, some people are new to the game. So let's just go through them quickly. I guess a lot of us are probably familiar with some of the more evidence-based uh, online digital resources such as apps, websites and uh, online programs. And I've got some examples up there. With the, uh, for the apps, I've got the Stay Strong app, which is a, a deadly app uh, developed by the Menzies School of Health. Um, that's a real strength-based uh, goal-setting tool, as well as the new iBobbly app from Black Dog, which is a free app for Indigenous um, people to self-manage their well-being, and Tiani's going to give us uh, a good rundown of that. There's also uh, websites and portals, and I mentioned the Australian Indigenous Health Infonet portal before, but also there's the Gaia Dewey Proud Spirit Australia portal, which is a great repository of resources for our mob to cope with the pandemic. So check that one out um, if you're looking for some resources for your community to get through this tough time. And online programs, an example was the Mindspot uh, Wellbeing, uh, Indigenous Wellbeing Program, which is an eight-week program for 18-year-olds and up. But some of the other digital resources out there, I guess I call the grey material or the informal uh, digital material such as videos and audio uh, as well as positive social media sites, I think they're becoming more and more uh, used by our workers out there to connect with their Indigenous clients. And I guess we all know that um, our culture is a very narrative-based culture and so to see someone having a yarn about a, a a mental health and wellbeing issue can empower us and give us a bit of a, a objective view of what might be going on for ourselves. Tiani, I see the iBobbly app is very orientated to our mob in terms of the visuals and, and some of the little audio grabs you've got on there. Um, could you tell us a little bit about that? Because I know it's a, it's a great uh, way to overcome some of the literacy barriers in some of our communities that have had educational disadvantage and, you know, maybe English is their second or third language. So I'm really impressed by the iBobbly app. Um, could you tell us about those sort of visual and audio cues that you've designed in the app, um, which I know you'll talk to a bit shortly? Yeah, so I guess um, our partners, Alive and Kicking Goals, based in Western Australia, Room, um, played a really key, key role in ensuring that um, iBobbly was culturally informed and safe um, and that it really had culturally engaging artwork, um, Aboriginal metaphors and our icons and also um, local mob um, from Broome, actually a male and female, recorded their voices. So, you know, it's it's great to see that iBobbly, you know, you can really connect with those young people and feel like you're having a yarn with someone. Um, and I guess it's really easy to use no matter if, you know, what your knowledge is in technology or even what your, like you said before, your written literacy level is, level is as well. So I guess thinking about the differences in how Aboriginal and Torres Strait people understand their social emotional well-being and, and what impacts it, it's really important that we have culturally appropriate tools and apps available. And that's where apps like iBobbly come into the picture. Um, they play a really, really helpful role in helping us overcome different issues such as costs, feelings of shame, lack of services, and in some instances um, where those young mob may have family members working at the Aboriginal medical services and they may be too shamed to go into those services. Um, so iBobbly is a good start in that sense. So what is iBobbly all about? Um, it's a free social and emotional wellbeing app for young mob age 15 and plus. Um, and it helps by, you know, it helps people feeling down, sad, or even just for those uh, young people who want to learn different strategies um, for coping. And when I say young people, um, uh, my nana also likes it as well. So you don't have to be young to use iBobbly.
Um, it's anonymous and assuming the young person has some data, it can then be accessed anywhere at any time. Um, and I should note that once you initially download it, you don't need um, Wi-Fi or data or credit to use it. And it can be downloaded in both the Google Play Store and the App Store. So there's four, I guess, main components within iBobbly. The first section is, um, is a quick self-assessment to see how the user's tracking. And they can go back in, just say, for example, they go in and check in to see how they're feeling this week. Um, you can actually go back into the app and see how, you know, your feelings may have changed over time. And if your feelings have decreased, or um, you may be, may be a good sign to reach out for further help as well. The second component is the stuff I can use section. And this teaches a user how to really, you know, manage those thoughts and feelings um, and helps the user identify those characteristics that they want to stand for and encourages them to set realistic and positive goals. The third component is the how I'm going to beat this section. Um, and this section really helps the user create their own personalised action plan for getting on top of what they're feeling and um, dealing with those troubling thoughts and feelings. Um, and the main component of this I really like is that the user can really input whatever they think is helping. So not from not just from, just from like what they learn from the app, they can also input anything that has previously helped them as well. Um, and it also shares uh, different practical coping strategies for managing how they're feeling and also audio recordings of personal stories of real-life people sharing their story of hope as well. So overall, there's about 17 different activities within the app and eight different videos. It's important to note that um, iBobbly isn't always a complete solution and any additional support from yourself, family, carers uh, or other health professionals really has great potential in terms of what the young person can actually get out of using the app. So firstly, familiarising yourself with the iBubbly app, clearly demonstrating that you know what's in the app um, and that you think it's helpful is a great first step in building that confidence with the young person. Secondly, building cultural confidence in iBubbly. So as I mentioned earlier, everything that is seen and heard in the app um, will feel like you're having a yarn uh, with a family member or someone you trust. Suggest so sitting down with the young person as well and helping them download the app um, and get started is also really helpful, especially if they can use your hotspot to download the app. Um, young people like to keep that credit, so um, that would be of great assistance as well. If it seems like the young person is getting nervous or uncomfortable, suggest looking at it um, another time together or they may want to download the app and check it out themselves. And if that's the case, um, let them know that they can talk to you about what they learned from the app as well. And lastly, I guess really encouraging to the young person um, that to continue using the app whenever they're feeling sad or down, even if it's 1am in the morning, um, to give iBobbly a go. Thanks so much, um, Tiani. It's, it's a really deadly app, iBobbly, and it's great that even nanas love it. Um, I, I really like that. Designed for young people, but used by nanas. I'd like to sort of explore this concept of Indigenous wellbeing because I kind of think it's really important, particularly for our non-Indigenous brothers and sisters that are working with our mob, to get their head around just how our wellbeing is made up of more than just mental health. A colleague of mine, Simon Dubois, who's a psychologist and used to work in youth services um, and, and joined in on a webinar last week on this topic, he describes it as a wheel. And I like this analogy because at the hub of the wheel is Indigenous holistic social emotional wellbeing. And radiating out from that hub are all the factors that influence well-being. And they're like the spokes of the wheel. And that's connection to country, to culture, to kin, to community, but also just uh, physical and mental health and well-being are just part of that picture. 
And then on the outside of the wheel are all those things that have and continue to influence our well-being, the, the social, cultural and political determinants, and I would add economic determinants. I think it recognises that these factors of our well-being have been impacted by policies of the past and ongoing events, and they continue to shape our well-being today. The main sort of take-home message from this model is I think that mental health is only a component of Indigenous wellbeing. And I think it se separates us from our non-Indigenous Australians, that our connection to culture and country and, and our spirituality is such an important part of our health and wellbeing. And I'd like to sort of ask Sam Wild a bit of a question around this, because I know Sam aspires to this model and the work that she does through her consultancy. Sam, can you tell us, does this model of holistic social emotional wellbeing really, why it sort of resonates with you? Absolutely. So this um, social emotional wellbeing framework was developed by a group of Indigenous psychologists to showcase the complex nature of social emotional wellbeing in contrast to the Western model of mental health. So because it was developed by our own for us, it definitely is a model that sits comfortably in a community setting um, and working for me as an individual in my community. So that was originally adapted from um, a model developed in Canadian First Nations. However, in the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander social and emotional wellbeing framework, it really does show the interconnectedness of our connection to place, to our community um, and to our culture as, as really distinguishing features of wellbeing. This was the framework we used for the development of the new Indigenous-specific wellbeing website called WellMob. And why did we develop this new website called WellMob? Well, a bit of background before we give you a demonstration. The need for this website came from you, our frontline Indigenous wellbeing workers. What we heard through our previous training in this space of digital wellbeing uh, resource use with your Indigenous clients was our practitioners and, and workers said, mainstream mental health websites and resources just don't work for us, Mob. You know, they're just not culturally relevant. They're, they're designed for mental health workforce and not community support workforce. So we've tried to look what is out there in terms of digital uh, social emotional wellbeing for Indigenous people and put it together in the one spot. That was really important because that was the other message we heard from our workforce, that trying to find some of these Indigenous-specific wellbeing digital resources was like trying to find needles and haystacks. And by putting them together in the one spot, it takes out the, the pain of having to do a, a Google search and get 100 hits. And some of it, you know, is more that sort of deficit-based resource or the, the rats and stats of how our community are facing, um, you know, lots of health challenges. So what we've been able to do is pull them all together for our workers to make it easy for them to access. Just in a nutshell, the WellMob website is a library of existing digital wellbeing resources for our mob. So we actually didn't go out and create any content and hats off to all the mob that did because we just pulled it together. And it links to their websites or their social media or uh, multimedia accounts so it makes it easy for you to access. Who's it for? It's principally been designed for our frontline Indigenous workforce and their clients, but we've also um, had input from GPs and allied health professionals as to make sure it's a really useful tool for them to better engage with their Indigenous clients because it's a great way for them to have a yarn around a, maybe a difficult topic like substance misuse by just looking at a video or, or talking through a, a resource um, while they're in session. 
And thirdly, I mentioned before, a big shout out to its development was really a credit to our three reference groups in Darwin, Adelaide and, and Lismore. But also it was a collaboration between our electronic mental health and practice team here, as well as the Australian Indigenous Health Infonet. The real take-home message is there is that within three clicks, you should be able to find the digital or on online resource you're looking for. And that once you do get there, there's a very simple, plain language descriptor of what is it, who's it for, and where is it from, which is what our, us mob always ask when we're look, talking to people. So hopefully that resonates with uh, our workers out there. Nathan Bramston, I also wanted to sort of give you a bit of a, a lead-in, brother, by um, just asking you, like I, I know Headspace have, have uh, um, got into this social-emotional wellbeing space with a new web page, but just from personal experience, um, I know firsthand that you're into connecting with your culture. What sort of online resources do you use to, to maintain your wellbeing? Yeah, um, I guess it's been now more than ever I've actually started to turn to it, like with, with COVID and, um, you know, got a young family, not getting out of the house as much. So um, for me, like I've got a few apps that I've downloaded, you know, like there's language apps. So, you know, one or all language app, which I think is really helpful around, you know, reclaiming our language and identity that way. So, um, and, and then trying to bring that into my everyday life. So that's um, something pretty deadly and, you know, there's a fair few different language apps out there. Um, available, um, you know, listen to music, Spotify, there's actually deadly black playlists there and, you know, sometimes you need that motivation and that connection and, um, yeah, so that, that's sort of some of those things that keep me strong and, and also some of those YouTube clips of our elders sitting down having a yarn and, and sharing stories about country and, and, you know, that's the stuff that sort of keeps you strong and connected and motivated to look forward instead of back, so... Yeah, thanks, my brother. And, and, like, you work for Headspace. And, like, I always think about Headspace, Young Mob, always think it's a mainstream, uh, you know, mental health service provider. But I've, I've learned a lot more over the years about how um, they're doing a lot more in the space with our mob. Can you tell us a bit about uh, Headspace and how they're working with our mob? Yeah, sure. So, so obviously, Headspace, you know, we have about 100 centres across the country in regional remote areas and, and they're popping up um, even more frequently now. Um, you know, it's really targeted around uh, young people aged 12 to 25 and essentially it's around, you know, getting sure, making sure that they have access to the mental health, wellbeing support, if that's other support around, you know, getting back into work and study, getting their physical health checks, that sort of stuff. Um, and we also have our online services, um, you know, that's to uh, focused around vocation, you know, getting back to employment. Um, as well as a headspace, which is almost like a virtual, you know, headspace centre um, online and over the phone. Um, there's a pretty cool little program that's happened recently. It's uh, called Yarn Space, which is a bit of a group chat. Um, so that's actually peer moderators by, you know, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander young people who are moderating group chats and, and connecting with other Aboriginal young people. Um, so that's just one example of, of how we actually, you know, give young people the power and influence to, to actually deliver services and, and support our young mob. Um, you know, historically we've had campaigns um, that I know Samantha Wild was a part of with the Developing Yarn Safe. Um, you know, that was a real deadly campaign. That, that was sort of the first of its kind and that was really co-designed with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander young people from around the country. Um, we've got a lot of resources that have sort of come out of that um, and we're in the process of developing a new campaign because it's been about five or six years now. So want to make sure, um, you know, that it's relevant, that we're, you know, now getting in touch with those younger mob now who were outside of that 12 to 25 
um, you know, age range and, and, you know, working with them and Tiani and Dobby in and Faye under there. But Tiani's been deadly at, at helping us with that as well. What we thought we'd do now is actually have a bit of a yarn about how you can use some of these uh, digital or online resources out there for, uh, for the wellbeing of our mob and just have a quick overview of some tips and tricks from our, our panellists. Um, so how can you use them in your work? It's great we know about some of these resources now and that, that WellMob is the repository of them, but how would you actually integrate them within your, your work or, or in your practice? I guess the most important thing that um, I've learned in, in my sort of uh, short career in digital wellbeing is about you've got to understand the technology and, and I've been, been a case in point today trying to get the audio to work. But really with a client-based role, it's really important to understand if they're using a smartphone or maybe they don't have access to that or they have a shared phone amongst the family. So maybe a PC or at the school or at the library is, is more important. So you've got to know what they're using as to know what resources they can use because obviously an app isn't going to work on a PC. It needs to work on a tablet or, or a, uh, a smartphone. So having a yarn around what they're using, um, a lot of people have brought up in the chat room about Wi-Fi accessibility and the cost of downloads. That's another big issue. And a lot of our communities, and particularly rural or remote communities, Wi-Fi access is an issue. And uh, we know a lot of our mob are on dial-up, uh, uh, prepaid sort of uh, type of low, lower levels of uh, internet access. So I think that's really important to know. Uh, and, and Tiani talked about iBobly being um, available offline. So that's a really important uh, attribute of that app. I think the other thing is just understanding how you might be able to use a resource in session if you're having a, a counselling-based sort of role or discussion with a person. You know, you can say, hey, I noticed you're a gamer. You know, what sort of games you're playing? It can just a segue into other digital wellbeing resources because we know, you know, there's lots of pros and cons of gaming. But, again, it's just about trying to create a safe space um, to have a yarn around technology and what type of digital um, positive tools are out there to help uh, with, with our well-being. Um, I mentioned uh, my colleague Simon Dubois before who's a, a psychologist. He talks about making sure before his Indigenous clients walk out that door they've either bookmarked or saved a resource or have a, a URL link to it so they've got it on their device or in their hot little hand so they can access it because I think it's really important that they take it away then and integrate it within their wellbeing practice um, and not just explore it within session. And the other little tip he gives is make sure they use um, some of those simple features of our smartphones such as reminders and calendars to organise their lives and maybe take out some of that other clutter that's going on and, and even if it's just a reminder to attend their next appointment to set a, um, a set of actual uh, reminder notice. So I'm going to share a, a, an audio grab from a colleague of mine, a UN woman, called Candice Angelo, who's um, actually working at the University of Sydney as an uh, Indigenous lecturer in uh, health promotion. But she's also a, a registered nurse on a, a North Coast hospital. So I'm going to share uh, her story about using uh, a particular app for young people that present to the emergency department of hospital. Hi, everyone. My name is Candice Angelo. I am a UN woman, proud to be working and living in beautiful Yagle country in northern New South Wales. I work as a registered nurse in a rural and remote hospital and often come into contact with youth, young patients who are in distress. So uh, a service that I like to use and refer to my young patients is a, an app on my iPhone called Check-In. This app's been developed by Beyond Blue and what it does is it has two, two purposes. The first one is to point you in the direction of places to go to 
get support. So there are contact details on there for Lifeline, for Kids Helpline, for Headspace, for eHeadspace, for Reach Out and for Beyond Blue. Not only that, but it also allows you to have a conversation planner. So this is something where if you're really worried about a friend or a family member but don't know how to talk about social and emotional wellbeing issues with them, it takes you through the four steps to plan your conversation so that you feel more confident and comfortable in having those hard conversations. Sam, someone who has extensive background in working with Mildbend Mainstream Health and Wellbeing Organisation, I've specifically asked Sam to have a bit of a yarn about um, self-care and using digital resources for your self-care. So take it away, Sam. Thanks, Dave. Um, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander health workforce is something that is really close to my heart and I'm very passionate about our frontline workers um, and what's really important is that we need to keep in the forefront of our minds um, self-care because when we're working in a very challenging space of mental health and, and well-being for our mob, it can be quite tolling on our own um, cultural, spiritual and emotional well-being. So what we know is that our Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander workforce is more likely to face extreme stresses such as racism or work environments that do not res respect cultural differences. But there's also this additional press pressure of managing the cultural community and family on the obligations um, as well as work expectations. So digital social and emotional wellbeing resources for self-care can really help provide uh, some perspective and resiliency to be able to support our frontline workforce. So in preparing for this webinar, Dave has asked me to share a couple of resources that I would like to use. And the first one that I'd like to show is the Smiling Mind app. This is um, a very popular mainstream app that provides different meditation practices uh, it is an Australian-designed app, but the thing that I love about this is that they've translated some of the meditations into traditional language of the Pitjantjara, Nanatjara, and Creole. So this was developed along, um, developed with the MPY Women's Council in Central Australia. And although I don't speak these traditional languages, when I do meditate. Um, I do get a deep sense of renewal of listening to that language as I relax. Um, I also use this app as a way to pause and immerse myself in that connection to culture uh, and to our ancestors. So I highly recommend um, for any of our workforce to trial out that meditation. The other app that I'd like to share is called Courtesy 1.0. And this is really important um, looking at nurturing our cultural and spiritual well-being. And this is about um, leveraging those cultural knowledge systems developed by the Walpuri elders to help combat Aboriginal suicide. What's really interesting is that the elders have expressed that this is not just for Aboriginal people, but it's their gift to all Australians. So while they use uh, cultural metaphors, including videos and games and stories to help build cultural resiliency, it is something that is available for everyone. Thanks very much, Sam, for sharing um, those resources on self-care, which we know are important for all our workers out there that work with our mob on, on wellbeing. We're no good if, we, uh, if we're stressed and hung out ourselves, so we've got to practice self-care. So just as a bit of a summary about how to use digital wellbeing resources, we've, we've looked at how you can share them with your clients if you're in a, a counselling or support role. 
and generally as a health promotion tool in your in your community or with your clients. We've we've also just seen how we can support our own workforce. And Sam's talked about self-care and, and some great apps there, particularly for our Indigenous workers to practice self-care. Um, we hope for our non-Indigenous workers that um, digital wellbeing resources made for and by Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders are good for your professional development and your cultural awareness. It's great for you now to go and explore the WellMob website and think about how you might be able to use it in your work. In the time when our story started, we were able to parent in the cultural way that has seen our family survive and thrive for generations. Our people were strong and our culture flowed and healed us in times of hurt. But since the trauma of colonisation and the stolen generations, we have not been able to heal in the same way. And we have unknowingly passed this trauma on to our children through sharing our sad stories and having them witness and experience our pain. This is known as intergenerational trauma. And we see symptoms today in broken relationships, disconnected families, violence, suicide, and drug and alcohol abuse. But this is not where our story ends. We still have strong minds and hearts, and we still know who we were and where we belong by creating safe and strong communities together, supporting our families to be free from pain, returning to our culture and building a strength of identity, we can stop the cycle of trauma and bring about positive intergenerational change so that we can continue to thrive for the next 60,000 years. There are simple things that we can all do to help heal our trauma. Visit healingfoundation.org.au to find out more. The last voice you heard was Uncle Jack Charles narrating one of the many video resources that can be found on the WellMob site. Thanks very much to Dave Edwards and his team for making that webinar for us. We hope you've learned something that's going to be useful to you in your practice.